You all look so happy this morning. Hallelujah. I think you're going to be blessed this morning. I just want you to open your heart and receive what God has to say to us this morning. I believe that whenever the word is about to go forth, that there's got to be an attitude of faith to receive what God is going to say to us. And that there's in you a thirst for God. Somewhat of a hunger for God. You know what happens when you're hungry? Usually when you're hungry, you say, I'm ready to eat. You find somewhere something to go and eat when you're hungry. I don't know about you, but even as I'm standing up here this morning ministering the word, ministering the word, I am hungry. And I'm asking God to fill our bellies this morning. He said, out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. Satisfaction. Glory to God. And so let's prepare to go into the word this morning. I think that you will be blessed this morning. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. Now, Lord, this is a solemn moment. This is a holy moment. Even as Moses stood on the ground and you said for him to remove his sandal and feet because he was his shoes, because he was standing on holy ground. Father, it's a holy place because your presence is here. And you said where the presence of the Lord is, there's fullness of joy. There's holiness, sanctification, Lord. We honor you this morning. Now, Lord, I pray that the people will see absolutely none of me, but they will hear your voice because it is not about any of us performing our own will. It's about you doing what you desire in and through us. And so we say this morning, speak to us what you would have us to do, how we're to respond Lord, we want to be on the same channel where you are. Have your way in this service and have your way in this word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I was preparing this word, I, I began to think about what Jesus said. And this morning, we're going to be talking about encouraging yourself. You know, Jesus said that in this world, you shall have trouble. Jesus did not say that you might. He did not say that there's a possibility. Jesus said that in this world, you shall have trouble. I often think, could you imagine if all the things that are happening around us, the troubles that we see that happens in our own personal lives and and government, the issues that are around the world, if, if Jesus never spoke to those issues, I would be really concerned. I mean, I would be like, Lord, you know, what's happening? I, I, didn't, I didn't factor in all of this stuff. I didn't, I didn't know all of this stuff was going to be happening to me. But Jesus said that in this world you shall have trouble. And so even though that there's trouble around me, I'm so grateful that Jesus said it. That it was going to happen. 
Because you see, it gives me a degree of confidence that I'm right where I need to be. And the Bible says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that has come upon you for your testing. For it's being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. So Jesus said to that we're going to have trouble, but then he says, you can be of good cheer. In other words, you can smile. Why? Because you've overcome. Now, the devil tells you all the time, he tries to make you think that you're not overcoming, doesn't he? He's always trying to make you think that this is the end or, or nothing is ever going to change in your life. The troubles that you're experiencing today are going to be there. You're never going to do this. You're never going to do that. And the enemy spends so much time. And unfortunately, we entertained. We entertained what the enemy is trying to do when he tries to misguide us and mislead us with lies. But I love the word of the Lord because Jesus says, you are an overcomer. So then, if I'm an overcomer, then that means that I have every reason to lift up my head. I have every reason to keep pressing and keep walking no matter what I'm going through because I know that I'm going to come out on top. Amen. You see? What happens sometimes to Christian is Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. Now we understand that. But sometimes if you're not careful about it, trouble can lead you to a place of discouragement. How many of you have ever been discouraged? Uh-huh. See, discouragement can reveal itself in many ways. You have emotional pain and sometimes mental emotional issues and physical illness. And I've even known people that contemplate suicide because they get so discouraged. Christians, not just we're not just talking about people in the world. Even though Jesus said, in this world you have trouble, you have overcome, there are still people who are believers even who get so discouraged to the point they think to themselves, how can I go on? Why should I go on? And the problem with discouragement is that whenever discouragement comes, it always brings along some friends. You know who those friends are? Things like fatigue. You know, one of the things that happens when you get discouraged is how many of you have ever felt like you just have no energy? You just feel just plain, just tired and you're restless and, you know, and you get, you just, you just have no energy to kind of want to move on. It brings along another friend called hopelessness. That's when you have no expectation or good or success. How many know that if you ever got in that place, you're in a bad place? Discouragement have another friend called despair. It's when you lose confidence or self-pity. How many of you have ever been there? It's something about, I don't know what it is, but it's something about the human nature that every now and then we just like to feel sorry for ourselves. Oh, nobody care about me. No, I'm just never, I'm just nobody. I'm never going to be able to fit the bill. I'm never going to be able to succeed. I'm just a nothing. There's something about the human soul that wants to wallow in self-pity. Sometimes we even get on the phone and make some phone calls and talk to some of our friends and say, can you help me in my self-pity? I'll tell you right now that if you ever call me, I'm not going to, I'm not going to help you in your self-pity. I'm going to tell you to get up and keep moving on. Hallelujah. 
It brings along our discouragement. We also have another buddy called depression. See, depression is like when you have difficulty in thinking and concentrating. That, when you get depressed, that is when you're at a, at, a, at a place where it's almost like a computer screen. You, have, you ever had your computer freeze up on you? And, and nothing that you do, you keep punching the keys on the keyboard, but the computer won't do anything. What do you have to do? You have to power it down sometimes or hit Control-Alt-Delete. Why? Because the computer is frozen. See, depression has a way of disconnecting you, freezing you, where you have no real sense of reality of what's going on around you. That's why you ever know anybody depressed, that they're not really taking care of themselves, they're not paying their bills, they're not taking baths, they're just kind of, oh, I'm just depressed. They get down into this lowly, low place. See, this is why you can't hang out with discouragement too long. Because whenever discouragement comes, it brings along some ugly buddies. And how many know it's designed to bring you down? You see, the Bible says, you see, I believe that discouragement is an enemy to the purposes of God in your life. Because, you know, if God has purposed you and he's purposed all of us, the enemy loves, the Bible says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We understand that Satan, in case you did not know it, Satan does not like you. Anything that he can do to destroy your life and keep you from fulfilling your God-given purpose and destiny, he will do it. And one of the ways that he do it is through the spirit of discouragement. Because when I'm discouraged, I have no desire, no push to want to move forward into what God's called me to do. And so the enemy, he comes and he tries to, he tries to discourage you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And if for no other reason, you ought to stand up and say, no, devil, you're not going to destroy my life. No, this did not happen the way that I wanted it to happen. Yes, you're going to have moments and times in your life where you're going to have disappointments. But how many know you're not supposed to camp out with discouragement? You can't, you can't stay there. One of the things I love being around people that are encouragers. I love a culture of encouragement. Because how many know we need it in this time that we're in particularly? And so let's talk about this thing, discouragement. Just turn with me to Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. If you have your Bibles, there are many theologians that believe that Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are actually the same psalm. Many, if you read the verbiage and the language in Psalm 43, 42 and in 43, you will see identical language. Almost like they're supposed to be one and the same. But listen to what the psalmist says here. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept a pilgrim's feast. 
Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan. From the heights of Hermon, from the hills of Misar, deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Now, the first thing that the psalmist say there in verse number one, he says, so as a deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you. One of the things that this psalmist realized was that he was in a place that only God can help him. How many have ever been in a place where you've been terribly discouraged and you've tried to explain to some people what you're going through? And it seems like no matter how hard you try to explain to them what you're experiencing, they just can't get it. You try to explain to them, okay, here's what I'm going through. Do you understand? And it seems like they just can't figure it out. And I believe the reason why is because there are only, there are some things in life that only God can solve. The psalmist realized that he was in a place where he needed to turn to God, whether through experience or because he had a relationship with God. He says, my soul pants after God. See, sometimes... There are many people out there whose soul, when they find themselves being discouraged, their soul pants after drugs, alcohol, immorality, food addictions, all kinds of things. But they never come and, and, and turn to God. The psalmist said, one of the, one of the things he did understand is he understood that he was in a bad place. He said, my soul pants for God. Only you, God, can help me. Only you, God, can lift me up out of what I'm going through right now. Turn with me to Isaiah 55. I want you to keep your hands right there on Psalm 42 because we're coming right back over there. But I want you to listen to Isaiah chapter 55. This is a fantastic scripture. Isaiah chapter 55. Listen what this, the writer says here, the book of Isaiah, chapter number 55. How many know there's an invitation? How many know that, that God wants to heal you today? That God wants to restore you today? That God wants you to be full of faith and full of courage today? No matter what you're going through, God is sitting on the throne. How many know that God is your biggest cheerleader? Hallelujah. God is up there in heaven rooting for you to keep going and to keep pressing forward. But listen to what he says here. He says in verse number one in chapter 55, hold. In other words, wait a minute, stop, hold up. Everyone who thirsts, in other words, everyone who is unfulfilled, 
everyone who is hurting, everyone who is looking for substance in life. He says, ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Jesus refers to himself as the water of life. Jesus said it this way, if any man hunger and thirst, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me because I will fulfill the longing of the soul. He says, and you who have no money, glory to God, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money. Listen to this. And without price, why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live. The invitation, he said, look, everybody who is thirsty, come to me and drink. He's saying, why are you spending your money and your time and your resources for things that do not satisfy you? Glory to God. They cannot satisfy you, but the invitation is free. He said, look, come all you, come to the waters and drink. You who are thirsty, you who are looking for answers, you who want some resolve, come to the waters and drink and let your soul delight itself in abundance and fatness. Glory to God. You see, the psalmist in Psalm 42, he, he was headed in the right direction. He's in a place where he's feeling low, but he knows one thing to do is I got to turn to God in order to get me out of this. You see, the psalmist was in a dry place. I mean, know that a dry place, he was thirsty. And when you're thirsty, you know, you need to get something to drink. But I may know that it depends on what you drink, whether or not your soul will get your thirst satisfied. I'll give you an example. My kids all the time, particularly my little ones. Daddy, I'm thirsty. They go get some fruit punch and they drink it. Daddy, I'm thirsty. They go get some soda and they drink it. Daddy, I'm thirsty. They go get some apple juice and they come back. And they keep coming back saying, Daddy, I'm thirsty. You know why they're thirsty? Because what they're drinking is not designed to quench their thirst. They need a cold glass of water. And it's amazing that the thing that can help us, that, can, that the thing that can make us whole and make us well, it doesn't appear, it, it don't look appealing to the eye sometimes. See, there are many people that are thirsty for something in life. They are hungry for God. They are hungry for, they are thirsty. They know that they're not satisfied. They're not fulfilled, but they keep drinking Coke. They keep drinking fruit punch instead of coming and drinking of the water of life. The water of life that will satisfy the longing of the soul. See, Jesus wants to, he said, come, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, the psalmist, he was in a place where he said, I'm thirsting. My soul thirsts for God because he realized that the only way that I was going to get some release, I had to go to God for this. He is the only one that can deliver me. Thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. But I got to give this one over to God. There are some things in life you can try to talk to you blue in the face. People cannot understand it. They cannot help you. You got to turn to God. How do you know that's a good place to turn? So the psalmist speak of his, look at verse number three. He speaks of his tears. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. Now you get the, you get the feeling here 
that this wasn't a, somewhat of a, a something that just happened for a couple of hours. That the psalmist here is beginning to fall into a spirit of depression. It's knocking on the door. I mean, no discouragement when it knocks on the door. It wanted, you know, it got a whole bunch of other friends waiting behind, want to come in behind it. So he finds himself in this place. He says, every day, night and day, you, you know, my tears have been my food. What is he saying? He hasn't eaten anything. Night and day, who knows whether it went on for days, weeks, months. We don't really know. But we find here that the psalmist here is in a place where he is terribly discouraged. He's talking about the oppression of his enemies. Whatever that is going on in his life, he is in a low place. He is in a dry place. Now, how many know that you can't stay there if you're there? You remember I said earlier about a pity party? How many of you have ever had pity parties? You don't want to tell me even if you did, do you? Pity parties. See, the psalmists right here have a great chance to just sit back and just say, woe is me. <laughs> woe is me. So he finds himself here. He's depressed, moving into depression and discouraged, and things are jumping on his back, and he's beginning to feel the weight of his problems. But then all of a sudden, something happens. He had a, oh, wait a minute, what's happening with me? What's going on? The light suddenly come on. You know why, how I know the light suddenly come on? What are you talking about, Pastor? What do you mean? Well, look in verse number four. He says, now, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitudes. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept the pilgrim's feast. See, now the psalmist is at a place now where he's beginning to think about the goodness of God. He began to think about how that when the church doors opened, I was one of the first ones that would go in there. That I will be with the people of God. I remember when, when I was depressed and discouraged the last time that the people of God, being around the people of God, I was encouraged. I remember that when I went through this problem before, God delivered me. I remember that God has been faithful. He's been good to me. He has delivered me time after time after time. And he began to talk about what he used to be. He began to, to not focus on his problem, but begin to focus on the goodness of God. See, one of the things you don't ever do when you find yourself discouraged, don't focus on the problem. Begin to focus on the goodness of God. You're getting to remember what God has brought you through, the good things that God has done in your life. Every time you find yourself getting discouraged, don't, don't, don't dwell on the bad, but focus on what God has done. Because the psalmist begins, he remember, he remember the better days. He began to reflect on God's goodness. As it says in Philippians 4, 8, Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, think on what? These things. Glory to God. And so he begins to snap out of it. How many of you have ever found yourself being discouraged? And all of a sudden, you wake up one day, you say, why am I in this? Why am I stuck here? The psalmist says, he, in verse 5, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. 
In case you didn't realize it, the psalmist is talking to himself. Oh, pastor, well, I don't want to talk to myself. People are going to think I'm crazy. Well, you know, nowadays, you can get one of those headsets, and you can stick it in your ear, and, and you can just begin to talk, and people will think that you're talking to somebody on the phone. You can improvise really good now. Now you got an excuse. You can talk to yourself. You can talk to God, and people will think you're on the phone talking to somebody. You don't even have to worry about it nowadays. But here's, but, but here's the thing. Here's the psalmist is in this place. And he realizes, what am I doing here? He says, he talks to himself. He's a soul. He says, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil? So what's wrong with you? Why, why are you here? He begins to talk to himself. You know what he tells his soul? He's, he commands his soul, hope in God. Sometimes in order to get out of your problems, to get out of your discouragement, just talk to yourself. Come, listen, command your soul. Say, look, you're going to get up out of this bed. You're going to move in faith in God and do what God has called you to do. I am not going to stay in this place. Not going to do it. You see, Paul put it this way. Paul says, I beat my flesh. I make it subject. I make my flesh do what I want it to do. You see, when you find yourself in that place that we need to let the spirit of God take control, you may say, well, pastor, I don't feel like moving on. But pastor, I feel discouraged. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like eating. I don't Listen, look, say to your flesh, you are, listen, you are going to bless God whether you want to or whether you're not. I am not going to stay in this spirit of discouragement. I am not going to stay here and let you, you can keep knocking all you want to, but I'm getting up out of this. I am not going to stay there. Glory to God. So the psalmist said to his soul, he says, hope in God. Begin to, just you're going to hope in God whether you want to or whether you don't. And so when you find yourself getting this here, sometimes just talk to yourself. Do whatever you got to do. You know, the Bible says, watch this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. You got to listen. Even if you got to break out some anointing oil, if you don't have some, get some at home. Because, you know, I said earlier, sometimes you just got to you got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Listen to me. If you got to go get some anointing oil, put it on your fingers and lay hands on yourself, then do it. Do whatever you got to do. Look, declare the word of the Lord over yourself, but do not allow the enemy to keep you in a spirit of discouragement. Because it's an enemy to the purpose of God. You remember Elijah when he was running after he destroyed those prophets. He wanted to stay in that little cave. He wanted to hide him. He said, look, Jezebel coming after me. She's threatening to kill me. She's threatening to take my life. Here, this man just destroyed all these prophets. I mean, God just showed up in a magnificent way. And all of a sudden, he's running because a word came from a lady named Jezebel saying, I'm going to get you. And he finds himself out and he's hiding. And he's in a place. And God just kind of shows up. God shows up and says, Elijah, what are you doing here? Get up. Go do what I told you to do. Move into the thing that I've called you to do. Why are you sitting here? You see, if whatever you got to do, talk to yourself. Lay hands on yourself. But whatever you do, don't, don't hang out with discouragement long. Let it visit you for about 10, 15, 20 minutes. And then say, I got to get up out of here. I cannot stay here and do whatever you got to do. The psalmist did it. He Listen, he said, look, he said in verse number 11, he says, for I shall yet praise him. I shall yet praise him. I shall yet give God the glory. 
No matter what I'm going through, no matter how I feel. Listen, some of you, listen, we got to understand, we got to let our spirit override our flesh. You know, our flesh, we, you know, our flesh want to do what it want to do. You know that. Sometimes our flesh, you know, flesh says, well, I want to, I want to stay in the bed. Flesh says to you, well, I want to eat a pint of ice cream at 3 o'clock in the morning. The flesh says to you, well, you need to go and hit that person upside the head for what they said to you. And, you know, and some people just follow the flesh. Whatever the, oh, that's what you want? Cool, flesh. I get, whatever you, okay, that's what you want? Okay, flesh. And, and, and listen, that's why the Bible said, listen, you've got to take control of your spirit. The Bible said those who are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. It has very little to do with your feelings. What I've discovered in life is that when you find yourself, when your flesh is in opposition, which is often toward the things of God, that you take a step of faith. Your flesh say, well, I'm going to lay right here and sleep for five more hours. You say, oh, no flesh, you getting up whether you want to or not. Now, you take a step of faith, and after a while, your feelings will follow. But if you stay where you are, you will continue to wallow in that stuff. And what's one of the things that Satan liked to do? He liked to isolate you, get you into a corner, keep you away from any and everything that can encourage you. And then you find yourself in a little corner and people are asking, where is such a so-and-so? Where is brother so-and-so? Where is sister so-and-so? You know what's happened to him? The devil has got him in a corner and he's whispering things to him. And they're believing it. And they've stuck and can't move on. Turn to, in the last, this is the last scripture we're going to read in uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 30. First 1 Samuel chapter number 30. <laughs> in 1 Samuel chapter number 30, what you will discover is that David has been anointed the king by Samuel. David finds himself in a place that he is on the run. He's running from Samuel, from Saul, because Saul wants to destroy David because Saul is filled with jealousy. Jealous of David because God had anointed him to be king. Saul knew it. David is on the run. David here in this passage of scripture, he finds himself in the, land, in the land of the Philistines. So David befriends the king of the Philistines, King Achish. King Achish give David a piece of land, a parcel of land called Ziglag. And so the Philistines now are about to go into battle with Israel. Israel were David's people, the people that God had anointed him to rule over. And so David has said, look, I'm over here in the land of the Philistines. Saul's the king, and they're coming after me. And you know what? I'm going to fight with you guys. And of course, rightly so, some of the Philistines said, no, 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 no. You cannot fight with us, David, because we, as far as we know, you're going to turn on us because these are your people. You got to go back. And so David ends up going back to Ziglag. And when he gets back over to Ziglag, he finds out that the land has been raided. In 1 Samuel chapter number 30, we'll start reading in verse number 1. And it says, now, it happened when David... And his men came to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites invaded the south and Ziglag, attacked Ziglag and burned it with fire. Well, now watch what happens here. And had taken captive <clears throat> the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city 
And there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David, two wives, Anonaham, and the Jezulites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal the Carmite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Some translation says David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now can you imagine what position this man is in? He comes back and not only does he have to worry about his own family that's been taken captive. I mean all of his kids, his wives, everything has been taken. Not only did he have to deal with that, which is devastating in and of itself, but he also got to deal with all the men that were following him, that all of their kids, their wives, their property, everything was taken, everything was burned up. And not only that, but David had another issue, that the people turned on him, that they were over there talking and scheming and thinking about, you know what, we're going to stone him. You can almost see the picture they got stoned because the scripture said that they spoke of stoning him. Some people are upset. And why are they upset? Because I lost my babies. I lost my wife. I lost my kids. Everything has been burned up. And here David finds himself. He's looking for comfort over here. And everywhere he turns, they're looking at him saying, you're the reason why we're in this mess. And the Bible says that David was greatly distressed. I mean, no, if there's a reason to be distressed, that is a good reason to be distressed. Because now David got nobody he can turn to. Everybody that he knows right there, look, these people turned on him. They want to stone him. They want to get rid of him. He's, David, you're the reason. And David is just trying to find some comfort. And, and nobody wants to talk to David. David, don't even talk to me, David, because you're the reason why I'm in this situation. I want my kids. I want my family back. I lost everything, David. But the scripture says David did only what he could do. Glory to God. The Bible says that David, who was in distress, he encouraged himself. You see, there are going to be those times in your life when there ain't going to be somebody there to encourage you. There's going to be those times in your life where, you know, you're going to look for it and it's not going to be there. But as David, David said, you know what I got to do? David says, I'm going to encourage myself and the Lord. And so what did he do? He turned his focus to God and he began to cry out to God. While everybody else was sitting there crying about their family, crying about what they've lost, understandably so, talking about stoning David, who was their leader, David was on his face crying out to God. And David began to ask, he said, God, shall I go and try to get my family back, get my kids back? Get back what's been taken. And God says, David, go up. You will get everything and you're going to recover everything. And the story ends with David ended up, David ended up and all of the men that followed him getting everything back. Their family, their kids, their resources, and they got spoiled from the enemy. Why? Because David did not wallow there 
in discouragement. David could have just sat there and said, my life is, I got nothing. I'm done. But what did David do? He encouraged himself. You know what I said? If you got to lay hands on yourself, <laughs> if you got to declare the word of the Lord, just get the word of God and just start walking in the middle of the, listen, just start walking with the word of God and just begin speaking it over your own. Do whatever you got to do, but encourage yourself. David did not stay there. He got up and he went and he got back everything that the enemy has stolen from him. God is saying to you this morning that you need to get up. Don't stay in that discouragement. You go and take back everything that the enemy has stolen from you. But the only way you're going to do it is you got to get up. You can't stay there and be discouraged. You can't allow the enemy to beat you down. You got to get up and move in discouragement and move and encourage yourself in the Lord. You see, you're gonna if you're not battling with discouragement now, <laughs> keep living. It's gonna knock on your door. And I want you to remember that when it does knock on your door. I would advise you probably not to even let them come in, okay, if you can, because, you know, just like I tell my kids, you know, certain people, you know, you ain't hanging around, so don't bring them all to my front door because we're going to have an issue. There's some guests that are just unwelcome guests, and discouragement is an unwelcome guest. And when you find yourself, when he's beating you down, when he's trying to come in, just, just make up your mind, you know what? God, uh, listen, I'm not going to camp out with you. Don't try, to, look, don't try to get me to sit out with you and hang out with you because you know what? You want to destroy me. Turn your heart to God when you find yourself being discouraged. Give it over to him. Get up and take a step of faith and watch what God will do. He will deliver you. He will rescue you. And you will find yourself walking with a boldness and a confidence even when most people think that you should be weeping and wallowing, that somehow you're up and moving on in God. You know, I think of oftentimes about those in the Old Testament and those in the New Testament who had to, the Bible, you ever read Hebrews chapter number uh, 11, it talks about the, those who are the, uh, the hall of fame of faith, all the things that they went through. It wasn't, a, it wasn't easy. But, but something in them, they just kept going. I mean, it was almost like that little bunny that used to be on TV. Was it Duracell battery? The, the, yeah, the Energizer, the just thing just kept going, kept going, kept going, while everybody else stopped. The Energizer buddy just find a way to keep going. God is saying, just keep going. Just keep going, because here's what's going to happen. You're going to get through this. You know, one of my models, I tell my wife all the time, is this too shall pass. <laughs> this too shall pass. This storm, every storm that comes, you know what? You look up at some point, what? It passed. All you got to do is stand firm. Sometimes when the storm comes, I mean, you ever see them trees and they start bending? I mean, boy, it looked like, boy, you can, especially those palm trees, you can see those leaves just kind of going like this. The wind just beat them. But you know when it's all said and done, the sun comes out, it's still standing strong. God is saying to you, just stand. Just stand. Don't move. Just stand. You'll get through this. Amen. Bow your head. Let's pray.